Pastor, if you're here for the first time, which I know a lot of you are, I've seen a lot of our welcome bottles in the hands of students. I'm very happy about that. Here's my goal. I'd like to get everyone in a seat. So uh, Serena is in the back with an orange t-shirt. If you need a chair, she will help you find a chair. And do me a favor. Uh, there's a lot of people in here, a lot more than typical, which is great. It means you guys are bringing friends and people are showing up. So if you're in here, do me a favor. Let's hold getting drinks of water and bathroom trips and trips to check out the scores of the football games because the games are on outside. Uh, let's save that till the end. Give me 20 good minutes and you will thank me for it at the end. Uh, we're in a series about friendship. And here's the thing about friendship. This is what we're talking about this week. If you are a living, breathing human being and you have a friend, which everyone has at least one person they consider a friend. If you're a breathing human being, you've experienced conflict in your friendship. If you're, if you're breathing oxygen, you've at some point in your life have had conflict with someone. If you're not breathing oxygen, it means you're an alien, which we should take you and we should dissect you, which would be awesome. I've always wanted to dissect an alien. Chances are you're all breathing oxygen, which means you all have had conflict. Now, this is what I wanted to do before we get into the whole lesson. I invited a couple of our leaders who are incredible leaders. They are uh, leaders of our life group for eighth grade girls. Uh, their names are Callie, Riley, and Logan, and I invited them to come up to share a little bit. So give them a big hand. Come on up. All right, so uh, I will introduce you for them. This is Callie. This is Riley. This is Logan back there. They are seniors in high school, so boys, you know, and they are the leaders of one of our eighth grade girl groups. They've been with the group since sixth grade, right? Look at, there's the girls right over there. Uh, and I invited them up because they've been friends for many years, but they, they haven't always, like it hasn't always gone perfect. There's been conflict. And I thought it would be great for you guys to hear stories from other students and our leaders, they're incredible, about conflict in friendship. So why don't you just give us one of your great conflict friendship stories? Yeah, so like Justin said, we're seniors in high school. Um, I've gone to school with Riley since sixth grade. I've gone to school with Logan since freshman year. Um, so we've been friends for about six years. Um, so Riley and I have been in a life group together since sixth grade. Logan came and joined um, our eighth grade freshman year. Um, so going into high school, Riley and I were super close. We'd had this bond that we've built on for a really long time. Um, and then Logan joined in and was like, yo, we're going to lead a life group together. It was super great, but there was a little bit of an imbalance between the three of us because it's hard to have groups of three and not have one person feel left out. And freshman year, we had not figured out how to make that work yet. Yeah, so coming into high school was kind of tricky for me because I didn't really know people, and so I was hoping to rely on Callie and Riley to introduce me to people. Um, so I was kind of feeling lonely, but um, eventually Callie and I ended up going to Haiti together, and I was able to confront her about it, and we apologized to each other, and we were really honest about how we were feeling um, with our friendships. And so um, Callie and I left Haiti super bonded, and even though we talked to Riley, then Riley started to feel left out. Yeah, so um, like they both said, it was me and Callie for a long time, and then they went to Haiti and encountered God in a way that I hadn't with them. And so um, they had some really cool experiences in Haiti that I felt left out on. And then not only that, but a few months later, they were going to Grow Retreat, our Ooh. high school winter camp. And I was serving in a different ministry that weekend, so I Ooh. could not go. And so that was one more thing that they had bonded over that I was left out on. So now I was the awkward third person feeling left out of the friendship. Oh, man. Sounds like the friendship's over then. 
No, how are you guys know. even up here then? It sounds like the friendship's <laughs> over. No, it you've been, it you're feeling thing. left out. I learned that when you feel left out, chances are it's just over. It's not worth trying anymore. <laughs> no, it's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That's so really? Wrong. So there, <laughs> there's a way to deal with conflict and friendship. Yes. yes. All right. Well, let's let's keep going. Though. Let's hear it. So going to high school together, we all know a lot of the same people, but not all of us are friends with all of the same people. Um, not like all of our friends aren't like mutual. Like Logan has friends that I'm not super close with, and vice versa. Um, so, and that goes for, like, we're involved in different activities, we do different things, and it became hard to invest in each other and share all of our stories without making the other people feel left out or, like, they were missing out on something. Um, but we learned as we got older that we can love each other and be there for each other despite the other things happening because we have this bond, like, with Jesus and with each other, and we've built on this relationship that we've had for so many years that it's kind of, we always have that to fall back on when outside surfacey stuff is not perfect because it's never going to be perfect and we don't have control over that um so yeah we uh, like fall back to Jesus fall back to this like base that we have as friends and it's it it helps and it resolve conflict oh that sounds like a really nice story that sounds like a very nice story. let's hear a juicy story though. <laughs> all right because three girls you've gone through high school there has to be like some juicy boy story some like love triangle drama yeah you guys know what I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Girls, you don't know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm so embarrassed. There's got to be some kind of like juicy, like juicy details, like really kind of uncomfortable, romantic, yes. like Grey's yeah. Anatomy kind of love like they're, they're thing. Exactly. Surgery yeah. is accurate. Yeah. All right, um, so give me one of yes, I do watch Grey's Anatomy, by the, the way. Victory. All right. My favorite show. All right. So give me one of these romantic love stories. Um, yeah, so Riley was dating this guy and it, Ooh. Oh, yeah. Boys have cooties. Don't do it. Don't date them. Cooties. Um, it's it's real. It's don't a real date thing. Date boys. Yeah, don't stay away. Um, but Riley dated this guy that went on for a while, then they broke up. Sad. Oh. Um, you know, and then a, a little while after Callie started dating said boy. Ooh! Oh, yeah. Dating the ex! Dating the ex! I'm very Listen. embarrassed right yeah. now. So There's no way your friendship survived that. It was oh, but it did. Cool. It did. It did. It Do you did. Like this? Really? I know. Keep going. I want to hear the story. Yeah, so it was super awkward because Callie was coming to me saying, Do I talk to Riley? Does she know? I'm like, ah. And then, and then Riley was talking to me about what is Callie thinking, and how do I talk to her about this? And so I was hearing both sides of their story, and I was totally stuck in the middle. Um, but because our friendship has been centered on God, after we had figured that out, that, like, we're okay to be in different friend groups, and we still love each other regardless, um, the conflict was resolved much more easy. Yeah, like Logan said, we were both coming to Logan, but um, though it was putting her in an uncomfortable position, I knew that Logan would keep my best interest in her heart, and she was also keeping Riley's best interest in heart because she loves us both, and she loves the Lord and was be able to see it from a perspective that had, like, was keeping both of us in mind. Um, so, yeah, Logan was the one that convinced me to talk to Riley. She's like, you and Riley have been friends for so long. There's no way that, like, this is going to, like, you guys are going to be able to work it out. You're going to be able to talk. Jesus is good. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, it was really cool because Logan is this person that we both know we can trust and rely on um, and that we do have a God friendship with. So it was really cool because when I came to her with stuff, she was able to pray over me and just pray about our friendships as the three of us leading a life group together. And she was able to help me show grace to Callie and just um, work through forgiveness and what that looks like. And so definitely having God in the center of our friendship has really helped us get through a lot of tough, tough I love things. It.
I love it. Hey, listen, give them a big hand. Sharing about conflict and friendships is not easy. Get going. You can strut your way out of here. Thank you so much, girls. You're all the best. All right. So that's a couple stories from you or for you from some of our leaders talking about conflict. Now, here's the thing. This is a verse that we've been talking about this entire series. It's going to be up here on the screen. I want everyone to look their eyes toward the screen. And this is actually what I want to do. I want us all to talk about this verse. I want us all to recite this verse together. Very easy stuff. I'll even get us started. You guys are going to join in. Ready? Ready? Two people. Boys. Boys. Two people are better, we're all going to do it together. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who fails, falls alone, is in real trouble. I know, I really screwed that up near the end. Uh, that is a really sad thing. Wouldn't you guys agree, eighth grade boys, wouldn't you guys agree, if, someone, if you fell down and there was no one there to pick you up, that's a very sad thing, right? Here's my question, though. Here's my question. The whole idea of this verse is that you fall down and that there's someone there who's ready and able to pick you up when you fall down. Here's my question, though. What if you guys fall down together? Now, think of this, okay? When we're talking about conflict and friendships. We're talking about two people that are good friends and something has happened in their friendship and everything is falling apart. What do you do in the midst of a friendship when everything is falling apart, when, when arguments are happening, where feelings are getting hurt, how do you deal with that? It's a very difficult thing. You heard the girls talk about it. It's not easy. You know, they relied strongly on Jesus. They were strong, relied strongly on their faith. It wasn't simple. But here's the thing that I love about conflict. Jesus knows about conflict. Jesus the Son of God talks about conflict. He doesn't actually even just talk about it like giving like, like pithy wisdom, like Yoda-esque quotes. Jesus actually talks about it and gives us like a step-by-step -step of how to deal with it. This is what I want to think about Colossians 3. It's going to be up here on the screen. This is what I want your mindset on when we're talking about it. Make allowances. So this is Paul talking to a very young church, just like you guys, my young church. Look at all of you with your hair and your faces, all very young. This is what it says. Make allowances for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Here's the thing I love about this verse, okay? This is what I love about this verse. And you probably see it. This is a verse for you as a follower of Jesus. This is a verse that says, when someone makes mistakes, not to hold it against them. When someone makes mistakes, don't make them relive their mistakes over and over again. When someone makes mistakes... It's okay because people make mistakes. When, when people make mistakes, high five, make allowances for those people. See, forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, you hear that as a young Christian, a young believer of Jesus, which a lot of you are, and this is what you should say to yourselves. You should say, it's not as easy as that. Say that with me. It's not as easy as that. It, listen, and I, and I know this is true. It's not as easy as that. You getting wronged by a friend at school, you having an issue with a sibling, you having an argument with one of your closest friends, you being pitted against a friend, like those situations, those issues of conflict are not as easy as just saying, 
oh, well, I remember that Jesus forgave me, so I guess I should just forgive them too and not worry about it. You see, it's not as easy as that. We know that. And here's the problem sometimes with Christians. I'm going to tell you the problem. I'm a pastor. Here's the problem sometimes with Christians. We let our faith rely on a verse like this to deal with conflict. Because if you knew nothing about Jesus and knew nothing about the Bible and knew nothing about dealing with conflict and you read this verse, it would tell you, oh, I should just forgive everyone and it's whatever. And I just, you know, if people are being mean to me, I just let them keep being mean to me. And if they're turning, you know, stabbing me in the back, I'm going to let them keep stabbing me in the back. And if they're like, if, if the argument is erupting and everyone is just dying from the volcanic like words of our mouths as they burn the people around us, we should just deal with that. And we should be the Christians who just forgive and love and it's whatever. Here's the thing. It's not as easy as that. And this is what I love. Jesus knew that it wasn't as easy as that. So Jesus shared a story out of a book called Matthew. A guy named Matthew, he was a tax collector before. He became a follower of Jesus, and he started teaching people uh, and, and helping them understand the truths of what Jesus talked about. And it's here in Matthew 18 where we're going to plant ourselves, and we're going to learn some stuff. So if you don't have a Bible, you need to get a Bible, and you need to pull it out. And it's going to be up here on the screen, but my hope is that you don't rely on what's on the screen. My hope is that, see, they're turning the lights up, that you actually open up the Bible. See, I'm even going to help you out. You take the Bible. It's a book. It's a book. It's like a, it's like a book. And you open the book. Here you go. Here you go, Blake. And I want you to open the book to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. Oh my gosh, look at all these Bibles here. Look at this. And we got a leader there, Tyler, who's going to help get that all figured out for him. Everyone has a Bible. Look at all these Bibles sitting here. Oh my gosh, there's Bibles everywhere. Look at that. Look at all these Bibles everywhere. You can use the table of contents. I use the table of contents all the time. So don't worry about that. I literally, I mean, there's a lot of books in the Bible. 66 books in the Bible. Do you know there's 66 books in the Bible? 66 books. How are you supposed to know where they all are? Don't worry about it. Use your table of contents. All right, all right, here we go. Look at your Bible's here on the ground. You can pick that up, use that. All right, good. Grab a Bible, grab a Bible. All right, for those of you still looking, it's on page 969, page 969 of the Bible. Does anyone not have a Bible with them? Anyone not have a Bible in front of them? Anyone not have a Bible? Anyone not have a Bible? You, you don't have a Bible. Here you go. Boom, there you go. That's my Bible. You can keep that. All right, this is what it says. This is what it says. If anyone, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. All right, now here's the deal. This is what's so good about Jesus. Jesus knows we're not as smart as we think we are. I think I'm very smart. I look in the mirror and I say to myself in the mirror, Justin, you are very smart. You are handsome. You, uh, people like you. Your hair looks great. Only three of those things are true. All right, so we're not as smart as we think we are. Jesus knows that we're not as smart as we think we are. Because here's the thing. It's very easy for you to believe that, oh, all I got to do is just forgive and it's whatever. Listen, there's more of a process to resolving conflict than just saying, oh, it's whatever, it's all good. Oh, we're just, just going to forgive and we're, and we're just going to just, we're, even though we're hurt, even though we're upset and we're sad, we're going to take all those emotions and we're just going to just cram those emotions right down into the bottoms of our soul because we just have to be forgiving. Here's the thing. Jesus gives us more of a process of forgiveness than that. 
This is what he says. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out that offense. I need a couple volunteers. All right, you are going to be one of my volunteers. Come on up here. You can stand right here, okay? All right. You, standing, you can be one of my volunteers. Congratulations. Yes, you right there. You are one of my volunteers. Okay? I picked three girls. A lot of people think that Justin doesn't understand girls because he's a guy. I'm going to prove how wrong they are in this scenario, okay? So here's how it's going to work. You are going to be my friend, okay? So my name, you can call me Justine. I'm going to act like a girl right now, okay? All right? I know. I know. So I'm Justine, okay? And I'm, gonna, and I'm your friend, but me and, you, me and you are having an argument, okay? And I'm going to start being mean to you now, okay? And I know how girls are mean to other girls. I've studied this. I've talked about it. I'm going to start being mean to you. Uh, you, your ankles, they're so pointy. Oh, my gosh, your kneecaps are so shifty. Your hair, it's like licorice. <laughs> All right. I know. That's rough. I know. All right, now let's play this out. Let's play this out. Let's play this whole situation out. I have offended her. I've done mean things. I've hurt her feelings. Your feelings hurt, licorice hair, sh sh you know, shifty kneecap girl. I know, very, very sad, okay? Now, this is how the Bible talks about resolving conflict, okay? Now, I'm kind of using some, a humorous example. You guys know what a friend can do. And here's something that's true. You can write this down. Sometimes friends are the people who know how to hurt us best. For whatever reason, sometimes a friend is a person who knows how to hurt us best. They know our past. They know our history. They know the things we've done wrong. Uh, they know the things to kind of poke at to really hurt our feelings. Friends know that. So I'm using kind of funny examples. But imagine a friend who said some things that are really hurtful to you. You don't know how to resolve this conflict. You just have no idea what to do. You're young. You have glasses on, which has nothing to do with the, the point. But you have glasses. You're young. And you just don't know what to do. You never learned this, but I'm going to teach you this right now, okay? This is what you do. Step one, Jesus says. Step one, go to the person privately. See, the start of verse 15, go to that person privately and talk to him. Do you know why we go privately and talk to people? It's to not embarrass them. See, when you go and talk to someone publicly in front of friends, like let's say you were upset with how I, how I treated you and what I said, and you said, hey, hey, Justine, come on over here. And I came over here. These are some of your other friends here. And you started saying, Justine, you're so mean. Don't you agree he's mean or she's mean? I'm a girl now. Uh, Justine, why would you say these terrible things? Don't you have a heart? Don't you have a soul? Is, is it filled with soot and black ashes? You would say that in front of people. And do you know how I would feel? I would feel very sad. I would feel attacked. And instead of being like willing to talk and forgive, I'd actually be on the defensive and then I'd want to lash back. Now I'm going to teach you something, okay? This is me, your pastor. When people back me into a corner, I feel like I got to come out swinging. When people back me, either physically or verbally, you know, there's this thing called fight or flight. I'm more of the fight than I am the flight. Like, if you back me into a corner verbally or physically, like, I'm not going to back down like a, like a mouse. Like, the New Yorker in me just doesn't have time for that. Like, I'm going to come right back. So, and this is true. You guys know this is true. If someone comes to you to, to give you feedback or criticize you or whatever, and they do it in front of people at the lunch table, people in the hallway, they do it in the middle of life groups, it, it does a couple things to you. It's going to shut you down. You're not going to want you're going to feel attacked. Here's the thing I love about Jesus. Jesus knows that we're not meant to feel attacked. So he says, go to the person privately and point out what they did. So here's the thing, quiet. 
If someone offends you, if someone wrongs you, the first thing you do is go to them privately. But then there's more. There's more. Kneecap girl, there's more. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So if you come to me privately, so we're over here, we're privately talking. Anyone can do this. Anyone can do this. It's very simple. And we're talking, and I say, oh my gosh, I didn't know you didn't like me making fun of your kneecaps and your pointy ankles and your licorice hair. I'm sorry for that. I apologize. Listen, this isn't rocket science. This is very normal. Everybody has friends, everyone has conflict, and you apologize, and it's good, right? And then we, we figure the whole thing out. Now there's another step to this, though. Verse 16, everyone check out verse 16. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. So you're the friends, so come on over here, friends. I want to give you an example of how this goes, guys, okay? I want to give you an example, because this is very important. Because sometimes people read this and they think, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, you know, this person wronged me. I'm going to go get two or three people that are on my side, and we're going to go to that person, and we're going to tell them how wrong they are. So I'm going to go find people that are sympathetic to me and my feelings, and we're going to go back to that person, and the three of us are going to gang up on them and let them know how wrong they are. That's not what this is saying at all. Let me tell you what this is saying. This is in the Bible. This is so good. This is what it says. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, you need to go and find mutual friends that care about both of you equally, who can come and talk to the person so they would come and talk to me so you two girls, you would come with her and talk to me about me calling her licorice hair and, and shifty kneecaps and you'd come talk to me. And do you know what you would say to me? You would say, and this is important, you guys all need to hear this, sit down, stop moving around. This is what you need to hear me say. You would talk to me about how what I've done is making her feel. So the two of you, you would talk to her, how it's making her feel. You'd come to me and you wouldn't gang up on me. You wouldn't slam me. You wouldn't pick her side over mine, even though I'm probably in the wrong. You would talk to me about how it's making her feel. See, because here's the thing about friendships. You guys can go sit down now. You've done a good job. Here's the thing about friendships. What is that? What is that? All right. Here's the thing about friendships, okay? Especially this verse. When you're dealing with conflict, you have to involve the people that mutually care about you and the person you're having conflict with. If the only people you involve are the people that have your back or on your side, it's not going to resolve the conflict. It's just going to make it worse. If you can involve people that care about both of you equally, who when they speak, they're speaking truth and love to both of you equally. You get a couple friends and they're coming and they're not sharing about how wrong you are. They're sharing about how you're making that person feel because there is a mutual friendship there. If you do that, that's step two, by the way, conflict can be resolved. It's not complicated. Go find people that care about you and the person you're having conflict with and have an open conversation. All right, but it might not always work. Here's what it says in verse, or this is what I want you to write down, by the way. I think there's some notes. Are there notes? There are notes. This is what I want you to write down. Process before speed. Before you lose your mind, before you freak out, I want you to take the time to think about what you should do. Here's the thing. Matthew 18 gives you the chance to think through a process. Now, it's not Justin's process. 
It's not Kristen's process. It's not Holly or Jalapeno's process or Brandon's or Thomas's. It's not Tyler's process. It's not, uh, look at Charlie's over here. It's not his process. All right, it's not Alexis's process. It's not our process. This is, listen, this is Jesus' process. When Jesus talked to his friends, because that's what's happening here. Jesus is talking to his friends about how to resolve conflict. This isn't Sarah's process. Or this isn't uh, Alyssa's process. This isn't their processes. This is Jesus' process. This is how Jesus resolves conflict with friends. So when you look at this, you're not seeing, oh, this is what my pastor told me to do. No, no, no. I'm looking at this and saying, this is what Jesus told me to do. Now, we don't underreact. Underreacting is saying, well, I just, I just deserve it, I guess. I just have it coming to me. I just need it. And this is what we say. Well, if I want to have friends, these are the only friends I got, so I guess I'm going to let them treat me bad. That's what we say. I don't know if anyone's ever said that before. Like, they've let themselves be treated poorly out of fear that they would have no friends instead of having those friends that treat you bad. That's underreacting. Underreacting is just dealing with it. Overreacting is hopping on Instagram and letting the world know how they don't shower and how they smell terrible and how they you know, still sleep with stuffed animals. That's overreacting. Overreacting is, is, is just freaking out and losing your mind. Jesus does not underreact. Jesus does not overreact when it comes to friendships. Here's what it says in the next verse. I think it's verse 18 or 19. This is what it says. Oh, 17. If a person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. If he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector, which tax collector is pretty bad. If you're, a cor- like if you're really being identified as the corrupt tax collector, like you really got a bad thing going for you. If a person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then... If he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a corrupt tax collector. Let me explain what's happening here, okay? This is what's happening here. Step three is a three-step process. Go to the person privately. Go to the person with other people who care about you both mutually. Step three is you go to the church. Here's where we screw this up. Okay, I'm going to tell you where we screwed up. I've been a pastor at Mariners for about five years now, all doing junior high. Do you know how many times in those five years I've had anyone come to me wanting my help in resolving a conflict? One time. One time in five years. So that tells me either no one is in conflict with someone or no one feels comfortable coming to the church about it. Here's something I want you to write down in reference to this verse. These are some thoughts for you. Here on the next screen. Pastors and leaders should play an active role in your life. If, if pastors and leaders don't play an active role in your life, you are missing out on the purpose of pastors and leaders. See, a, a pastor in Ephesians 4 talks about us as being there as leaders to equip the people. Second Timothy talks about us as pastors there to help shepherd and equip the people. Exodus 18 talks about leadership as one that finds others to provide leadership over others. That we're all there for each other. That it's not one guy, it's not Justin. 
And it's not Justin and Kristen. And it's not Justin, Kristen, Serena, and Brittany. And it's not just the leaders. Like, it's all of us together. That we're all there for each other, and we all need to have an active role in our lives. So pastors and leaders should have an active role. They should be people you go to. If, if I'm not someone that you feel comfortable coming to about conflict, then I'm probably not the best pastor for you. And you hear that, and you're like, wait, what did you just say? I'll say it again. If I'm not someone that you feel comfortable talking about conflict with, talking about issues that are happening in your life, if I'm not someone you feel comfortable pulling aside on a Sunday or calling me or private messaging me on Instagram because you want to talk about something, if you're not comfortable coming to me, I'm probably the wrong pastor for you. Because if you don't feel comfortable talking to your pastor about stuff, then who are you going to talk to? Like, if you're not comfortable talking to me or talking to your life group leader or talking to another staff member, if you're not comfortable us having an active role in your life, then who are you going to go to? Here's the thing. What Jesus recommends, it's right there on the screen, I want you to write this down. What Jesus recommends at times differ from what we are comfortable with. Now, here's the thing. Chances are the reason we are not comfortable doing this is because it's outside the norm of what we typically do. Typically, when we have conflict, we just let it become a big disagreement, a big battle. People pick sides. You know, what Jesus teaches is different from what we typically do. That's the whole point of Jesus. See, Jesus didn't just come here to teach us a way of doing things. He came to leave us an example of how to do things. This is how he would do it. Now, I know some of you might look at it and be like, oh my gosh, like I really, like, I like most of what Jesus talks about when he talks about stuff like this. Like, I'm uncomfortable doing that. I don't think I'd feel comfortable having a disagreement with someone and then going to them and then going with other people. And then if it still doesn't work, like, I got to go, like, to the pastor and talk to the pastor about it? Well, yeah. But why would I go talk to the pastor? Because he cares about you. Well, the pastor, he's too busy for me. No, I'm not. Your leaders aren't too busy for you either. Like, we have time for you. We want to talk about stuff like this. Because why? Because if it's not resolved, then that might be a sign that that friendship is over. And I know that might be really hard to hear, but I want you to know it's not me saying it. This is Jesus talking. Jesus is the one saying, if you go through all these steps, if you go to someone privately, if you go to someone with friends, if you go to someone and you, bring, you go to the pastor, you bring a leader and you, you take it to the church, if you do all this, and it still doesn't work, maybe it's a sign that that friendship is over. Maybe it's a sign that they don't want to reconcile, that they don't want to change. They want to keep doing the same thing over and over. You are not meant to put up with that forever. That's not what Jesus' plan is for you. His plan is, is not for you to have a friend who treats you terribly and wants to keep treating you terribly and not change. That's not Jesus' plan. Jesus' plan is like what we read in Matthew 18. There's a process to it. There's a plan to it. Here's what I want you to write down. It's like the bottom line for today before we go. Big idea. Jesus has a plan for friendship conflict. Very simple. We've talked about it the entire day, and this is the reason why this is a big idea. You are either in a conflict right now with a friend. You will be in a conflict with a friend at some point. You heard the girls talk about it. There was conflict in their friendships. And when that moment happens, Noah, I want you to know, because I like you, Noah. I think you're a great kid. All right? You're welcome. 
I know, Noah for life. Noah, when that moment happens in your life that you have a conflict with someone, a friend, I don't want you to wonder what to do. I want you to know that Jesus has a plan for conflict. Like when you're in that moment where things are falling apart, I don't want you to sit there and be like, I don't know what to do. If only there was a plan, if only someone had an idea of how to resolve this. Jesus has a plan. He has a way of resolving conflict. It's in Matthew 18. We should all read about it. It's really good. And here's the thing. When you go out to your car and your parents will look at you, and what are your parents going to say to you? What did you learn today? You're going to look at your parents, and what are you going to say? Let's all say it together. I learned that Jesus has a plan for friendship conflict. And then you're going to look back at your parents, and what are you going to say to your parents? What did you learn today? And you're going to have a great discussion about it. But here's my hope. Here's my hope. Shh. Here's my hope. You're going to go into a new week of school, okay? Maybe there is a, I know, ugh. You're going to go into a new week of school, and maybe there is a conflict. Shh, quiet. Maybe there is a conflict at school that's waiting for you. Maybe there's an issue with a friend. Maybe there's an issue with someone in this room right now. Maybe there's an issue, listen, maybe there's an issue with someone in your life group and you're thinking, I'm not going to go back to life group. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm done with life group. And life group's just started. And maybe you're already thinking about not going back because of a conflict with someone. If that's you, I want you to remember, big idea on the screen, where is it? I want you to remember that Jesus has a plan for friendship conflict. All right, let me pray for you, and then we're going to go out that big metal door. Everyone's going to get a plan for Instagames. I want you all to go to Instagames, or I mean, it's at your house. It's going to be great. You'll see. You're going to get a plan as you go. All right, stop moving. Let me pray, and then we're going to go. Heavenly Father, dear God, thank you so much for all the time we had together today. Thank you for another great weekend of JHM. Can't wait for next weekend. Insta games is going to be rad. Give us an opportunity to really fix friendships this week. That if we're having conflict with someone, that we're able to use your plan to resolve it and to fix it. We thank you. You are so good, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, get out of here, everybody. Go have fun. Nope, fun. Another killer video, bro. Another killer video. I love it.